Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. CinemaSins has a fan club. It's called The Sin Club, and members get all sorts of things like early episodes, bonus videos, merch discounts, and even monthly bonus podcasts. Membership starts at $3 a month, and you can sign up now at patreon.com slash CinemaSins. For lack of a better word, ignorance or just unawareness, you know, I just, I love some of the shots the girls give him, you know, when, when mm-hmm. every time they leave the room, he's like, Oh, what did I say wrong? Welcome to Sincast presented by cinema sins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined by Jonathan Watkins. Hello, hello. And Barrett Scher. Hi there. And today we have two very special guests. It is writer-director Craig Price and Doreen Brown, upon which this movie is, I guess, pretty much based on. Uh, It's the marijuana conspiracy uh, coming out on demand and digital on April 20th. Uh, Doreen and Craig, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Doreen, uh, tell us your story, which probably for the 40th time today. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, about only three what, times today. Oh, only three times. Okay, good, good. Uh, yeah. tell, tell, tell us your story as it relates to this film. Okay. Um, in 1972, I uh, went into a, a marijuana experiment run by the Canadian government. Mm-hmm. And um, I was one of uh, 20 women. And um, I got on the smoking side. So I had to smoke marijuana for 98 days. Jeez. And, <laughs> I couldn't go out anywhere, couldn't see anyone I knew, couldn't uh, phone anyone, no phone calls at all. Um, basically, we were locked down for 98 days in a hospital corridor. And it was all sort of, there was a, a, a financial aspect to it where you were making macrame and things like that, right? Yes, we were. Uh, the mode of production was weaving belts. And we received $2.50 for each belt. And it had to go through quality control. So you had to know what you were doing. It had to look good. And with that money, um, we had to pay for basically room and board. We had to pay for food. Every time we wanted to listen to an album, we had to pay for the stereo. When we used the shower, we had to pay for the shower. It was set up like, yeah, I know it was crazy. crazy. (laughs) It was crazy. And um, when we got there, it was just a a hospital corridor. And um, we eventually had uh, the bed frames taken away. We put the mattresses on the floor. We made it into a real comfortable hippie den. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I imagine at first this seemed probably kind of cool, right? 
Um, that was great in the beginning. That was fun, you know, an escape from uh, reality, uh, something different. We knew uh, it was unique that we were one of 20 that were chosen, and um, we had a, a lot of fun in the beginning, sure. We ordered, yeah. Uh, yeah, we weave belts like crazy in the beginning, so we could order alcohol. One woman in the experiment was a bartender, and so we ordered all kinds of alcohol and albums. We, one woman was an artist, and we or she ordered chalk and did murals on the wall. Um, so yeah, at first it was a real party. <laughs> yeah. It, did you, did you, uh, it, so at some point in the film, it, sh it shows that they raise the THC levels in yeah. these joints that they would give you and everything. Did you, did you, did you know at the time that, uh, that they were doing that? Did, was there something about that, uh, that night smoke that seemed different or did you just kind of like, okay, this is, uh, did, did you notice any difference at all? Oh, yeah, we we did. I mean, I think it was more gradual. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, after a few days, we were just right out of it. So we yeah. knew that they had um, the THC. It was apparently grown by the government. And we knew that, it, yes, it was totally different. And it just seemed to get stronger and stronger. And the fun started going away because every night at, I think it was 8 o'clock, I believe, they brought us two joints uh, on little restaurant trays that you get the mm -hmm. bill on. We had to mm -hmm. smoke two right down. We were watched all the time. You, you your roach, you had to smoke it right down. You couldn't pass it around. Uh, and, yeah. <laughs> it would, and I guess this is something you know. This 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 study has has never made the light of day and everything. No. And this would be. Uh, something that would would be really interesting to read uh, into and everything. But what what exactly? How how did you feel after uh, when it started not being fun anymore? What was what was sort of your what were you going through at the time? Well, it got depressing actually. Um, for mm. one thing, I guess the uh, social isolation um, was beginning to affect me as well, mm. and then. That, um, with the marijuana, with the THC being increased, the content and the quality. And um, every night at a certain time, you know, 8 o'clock, we had to be in that lounge. And it got to be drudgery. It got to the point where you hated that time. You hated going in there. And you yeah. couldn't, uh, you could not smoke it or you had to have a doctor's note and see the psychiatrist. So really, uh, it was something that we had to do. And the incentive uh, they did add on where we got paid for finishing the 98 days. If we had left earlier, then uh, a lot of that money was taken away. So that's how we were hooked into completing this experiment. Yeah. Um uh, Craig, I, I read the article in the Toronto Star. Um, were you able to do much research on your own and fill in some blanks about life at the hospital? Yeah, actually, that was sort of the starting point, the Star article. Um, Diana wrote it, and um, it really fascinated me, not just the study, the human experiment on these young women, but just what was going on at the Times in general and mm -hmm. also these women in their lives. So I reached out to Diana and um, she actually became a consultant on the film 
and an associate producer. And she just did further research for me. And then um, fortunately, I actually got to meet um, Doreen and some of the other real women. And that's where the script came to life and, and the film came to life because they just had, um, you went a lot, they were very honest and open with me and, and trusted me that I was going to represent them properly. So with that became a lot more detail that were, that was in the star article, uh, for a lot of reasons. So it really, um, it was the, the turning point for me to making, to making sure this film got made and the story got out there. Yeah. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Um, how were you, uh, what, how was, what was your casting process like? And, and, uh, and, uh, were you looking for, for women that were, uh, somewhat close to what you had, uh, researched or were you just looking for just really good actresses at this point? Well, the two things I was looking for was good actresses. And I, and I think they all did a, like, including all the supports, everyone did a great job in this film. Oh, um, yeah. and I mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that there was identifiable distinctions because all of these women were different. They came from different walks of life and different, different, um, some had come from living on the street at this point and, or, or couch surfing and some came from wealthy families. So there was really, um, that the process of taking those characters and, and, and their lives and just sort of putting it together to tell the story that way. The casting though was great. We have a, a casting person I work with all the time and we had t- huge turnout for this film. You know, it's an independent film and, and we weren't, uh, we weren't going to have a big star, but we wanted to focus on a really solid ensemble. And there was so many to choose from, but the girls who just, when they hearing the words, I just knew that was Mary and that was Jane and that was Marinda. They were just so honest in their in their auditions and then their callbacks and stuff and also that they had different looks and so you wouldn't be confused about oh they're all the same the same people going through the same experience because they all have right. journeys mm-hmm. so between um just nailing their auditions which and there was a lot of good ones on top of them so it was a difficult decision but between nailing the auditions and then just their looks and their energy and i spend a lot of times when i'm auditioning i like to talk off the cuff before their reading and after to see just what they're what they're like as a person and like what their energy is and things so that sometimes you know you know that person really does fit i ended up switching some they would read for one part and i say that person's really really better at jane not mary so i would actually do that on the fly until and they come back and read that way so it really mm-hmm. was um, a wealth of talent that, that wanted to do this film so i was very fortunate yeah i was really curious about that i know in a lot of these situations when you have a group like that you know it who they audition for isn't necessarily who they get. So I was curious if there was a lot of, uh, if some of that, if some of them got switched up from mm-hmm. who they auditioned for, I guess. 
Yeah, that's exactly what yeah. happened. Uh, you just had a sense and said, you know, but you have to still hear them come back for that person. And they're all happy to do it. And then it's funny because some of these smaller roles, um, the the people who were close to getting the part, I'd call them up and said, you know, I just have like two scenes in this movie that you'd be perfect for. You don't even have to read because I know how good you are. And I just saw mm-hmm. your, your audition. Would you mind? And they were like, you know what? I really think it's a cool project. Why not? So, so we had some veteran younger actresses and um, older as well, just agreeing to come back and, and supporting the five leads. And then we had some really strong support leads in the film as well. So it just, um, it really was a, a great team to put together. And, and I don't think there's a weak link you know right down to the mental patients who don't even talk they just were so yeah they were awesome like you know i i actually a lot of those self-taped i had like 55 <laughs> mental patients to look at i'm like oh and i couldn't believe how good and these guys were just so nuanced and they told stories and you know that's the interesting thing a lot of like nurse alice the first half of the movie she barely talks but there's so much character and story coming from her because they weren't allowed to uh, in getting for an experiment, they were observed 24 seven, but the people, the nurses and the observers, they weren't supposed to talk. They were supposed to be invisible, which is absurd to have, you know, staring at you all day, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and all, oh, I just noticed that, you know, and things like that. So, so that was interesting that there, there was a, a lot of like performances that were like the, the mental patients and the, for the first half nurse Alice, that was yeah, Marie Ward. That was very, um, nonverbal communication which is what makes it different from a tv show where it's all talk 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 you know yeah i love marie wardness uh, uh a great deal and it's uh i i was i was wondering uh what was behind um it sort of leading to some of the subplots in this movie and everything was that based in a uh reality or was that some creative license that you had taken well it's a really good question so the way to answer it is you know, it was a, a it's it's um it's a feature film as opposed to a documentary, right? And it wasn't a biopic on one woman or five. So, with the nurse, for example, um, with you know, I because of spoiler alerts, I, I have to be careful what I say, but I will right. tell you that um, the best way to tell this film I found was to when I met all the women and did research on the other women was I created what's called composite characters where I took certain aspects of their character and story and journey and they were sort of composite or hybrid character with that with my interviews and stuff I didn't use their real name and stuff Doreen and the other women were so open and honest of things they wouldn't normally say in a Toronto Star article per se or want their families knowing it per se but I can tell you that everything that happened to these girls happened. There was no, um, if that character had a certain um, situation, they, that was what happened. So, Mm. you know, that's sort of the best way I could describe it without giving too much away. Oh, that's perfect. I'm glad that you were able to describe it that way without getting too much into it, because Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things like that is a surprise, especially about her character is, you know, I think, I think without giving too much away, uh, the, at first she does very much seem like a nurse ratchet yeah and that 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 nickname that nickname that they have you know they've given her is is completely apt (laughs) and uh and uh you know that that character goes through some things uh that uh that enrich her character a lot and Mm -hmm. everything so anyway um uh i really like i really like what what you guys did with that oh thank you Um, and and it's also nice that um 
that you know some people said to us uh you know at the start there's people i really don't like the, the characters and at the end i adore there's people at the start i adore and the end i don't like and that's that's through life it's 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 the arcs are different than you know seeing people what they're really like and how it's developed it's not like wrapped up in a tv movie you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah did you sure. uh get to interview or talk to any of the administrators or the uh uh, researchers that were behind this, the actual uh, project? That's an excellent question. Um, Diana did. Um, they'd passed since the time, I, by the time I made the film, but mm-hmm. she had a lot of, uh, she, you know, she went to both sides and um, she had a lot of uh, data and interviews and things to look at and hear. And, you know, it's interesting because we can, if there's time, we'll get into the politics of why they did this study and what was happening with marijuana at that time. But, but you know, Barry, for example, who did this field study, he he thought he was doing a good thing. He, he really thought he was going to learn a lot about. He just did a you know a study about a, a hippie camp in Toronto, and he believed in field study and observational science, and he thought he was going to get some some great. Um, results out of this and then there was also the doctor side who was doing the physiological experiments so you know now we look back and say 20 people 10 aside like for a for a control group is absurd i mean now there's thousands of people mm-hmm. and it's for 20 years but at that time he thought you know he wasn't having a bias about marijuana it's just that the addiction research foundation and his boss had a completely different agenda and thought the experiment would go one way and again, no spoiler alerts, but it didn't necessarily go the way they wanted. So they, they weren't necessarily, he was actually kind of, you know, it's interesting, the parallel between him, the pothead and, and the addiction research guy who's basically an alcoholic. So it's interesting to see their different characters. And that was his boss, but he was really, you know, he was a dude, like a hippie. And so he thought he was one of them in a way. And um, mm. so that that's, uh, I, I don't think he actually, from everything I read in interviews I've read and heard, you know, he thought this was like actually going to be a, a really great, valid experiment to learn. And at the time, it was the first experiment of marijuana on young women. They thought often at the time that that when women smoke weed, they become extremely promiscuous. And, and this is, you know, the late 60s, early 70s. And they jump off their ruse with, and play the saxophone new. Like they just thought it would be this, this crazy behavior. <laughs> yeah. You know? So Doreen, did that actually happen to no, you? No, no, no. He's not... Fred's not talking about me, trust me. <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what, uh, I'll tell you what, Craig, the way Gregory Ambrose Calderon plays this, this uh, Barry, the, you know, the field researcher, uh, he's such a smug motherfucker. <laughs> I, I, I know I pick up exactly what you're saying. It's a composite of, you know, this, this guy, uh, trying to do what he thinks is correct, but man, he disregard and a lot of behaviorists do this. This is the problem with behaviorism is, is that they, they disregard the humanity to study the behavior, right? So he plays right. it perfectly, yep. but yeah. how do you want to punch that guy in the face every time he's up there? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's a compliment. It's funny because with Gregory, I actually knew of him. I, I put him in his first uh, movie a long time, time ago. Not a long time, a little while ago. And I was trying to find sort of a little bit of a big Lebowski, but a bit of a hippie, a boho. Oh. And people were just not getting it. And he came in and like you say, he just had that that smugness about him. And he looked the part, you know, he had this beard going already. And, uh, you know, he's, he's sort of into the counterculture. So I thought, you know, this this guy and and 
at the start, some people quite like him, and it's interesting the journey he goes on. And uh, but yeah, I, I I agree. I think he, I think again, like all of them, he did a really great job of of getting that kind of energy. And again, without having to say just his looks and his mannerisms, you know. Oh, the you know, I it's funny, Barrett. You probably read into that more than I did because you probably know more about that type of stuff. I I, I was I was sitting there just fascinated by this guy. Mm -hmm. uh, during the whole thing. So I never felt that way about him, uh, during the whole thing. The, the guy that I really, I thought was like a mega villain in this, even though I guess he's got some sympathetic qualities is the Dr. Spencer Harlow character, uh, played by Paulino Nunez. And I was just like, Oh my God, there's, there's a, I think there's something about, uh, you know, characters who have this, veneer of friendliness but have all this other just ugliness behind them that makes them worse yeah yeah he he again and this is people came in to read and they were like playing it like you know the evil shrink and you know then they all had the chiseled chin and this piercing blue eyes and when he came in uh paulino he played it in a very different observational hmm, so tell me what do you really think and i'm not that affected by it in a weird way, he's friends with with Nurse Alice. He he mm-hmm. he he actually wants to help her, and he actually thinks that you know this is very unusual. But I'm a doctor, and I'm here to help. And 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 again, it's a really it's similar to Barry, but different. It's a very interesting a way to to handle the character. And part of it was just his own, for lack of a better word, ignorance or just unawareness you know i just i love some of the shots the girls give him you know when when Mm -hmm. every time they leave the room he's like oh what did i say wrong (laughs) 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 probably my favorite line in the movie is when mary the one played by julia sarah stone uh comes in and he starts you know i'm here for you and you're i want to make sure that your family gets back together and all this and and, uh, and when she walks away, you know, she says, if I don't come and visit you, take it personally, yeah. uh, which is a great, great line. And, and, uh, in, and yeah, again, he's, pr- he, it, that's the thing that I guess is a little bit sympathetic about him yeah. is that he, he thinks that everything he is doing is uh, in good faith yeah. and everything. And, uh, God, it's, it's a, it's a, it's actually a really like. I don't know. It's really frightening kind of villain in a movie. Um, yes. Uh, yeah. And I, I feel like in 1972, there were a lot of hymns yeah. around, you know, so. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it, it's true. There was the different attitude. There was, a, you know, and there was also racism. And I mean, look, we're, the sad thing is there's so much that's still going on that happens. Mm-hmm. In the movie too. Yeah. That's the truth. But I will say that, you know, it was, it was really, it's true. Like there was a lot of him and it's, he was, you know, unfortunately they were in power, you know? Yeah. It's weird, man, being in uh, the United States, um, watching stuff that was going on in Canada. I I think, I don't, I don't know if uh, Barrett, Jonathan, you guys are the same, but I always tend to think that uh, Canada is just always so super far ahead of us and progressive, Mm-hmm. Uh, type of stuff and they i think they still are it's just that i think i think that there's no real of the same kind of problems here <laughs> i mean there than there are here a lot of times and so it's like i it's like eye-opening 
when you see uh, something like this going on in Canada, you're like, no way, not Canada. They're all friendly, <laughs> right? It feels like a much cooler country most of the time. Like, I mean, literally it is, I guess, because it's colder, but, you know, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but just cooler, you know, it's cooler people. It just feels yeah. like nicer people. That's, that's, that's true to an extent, but there's, there's, yeah. there's every, everywhere the human condition, right? And that's what a lot of the film's mm -hmm. about. And I mean, just for the listeners, the backstory in 1972 in Canada, which everyone is surprised at is marijuana was a class one narcotic. So if you oh, wow. actually had a joint, um, you, you were seven years in the slammer and you couldn't go to, um, university if you were young, you couldn't get a job. And that's sort of why these studies began federally because they thought, can we be more lenient? And then provincially where the addiction research fellow comes in, they're like, we're, this is the end of the world. We're going to make sure we're going to do our own studies. Cause you're just, I don't trust you. And so there was all this distrust going on and, um, the experiment on the girls, it played a role in partly being more lenient at least um, because they did do a lot of studies about marijuana and, and to see what's going to happen, but it was serious. And of course, not to give too much away, but there's a reason why the government and lawyers and doctors wanted to make it more lenient because it was becoming more of a mainstream drug. So mm -hmm. um, they knew a lot more people, including perhaps their children. So it was, it was really an interesting time for sure. And we, we ended up legalizing just in 2018, but it's so regulated that, it's almost not legal, which, you know, you can see. And we, you guys still have people in the States in jail there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Places. yeah. So that's what I mean. Like sometimes you think 49 years later, yeah, right. People went to jail for weed. Well, they're still there. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, and, and that's why it's been nice that the films translated because there it's, when you talk about the themes and, and the story and the characters and, and, it, it resonates with people no matter where they're from. So that's been one of the things I've really enjoyed about, you know, going to, to screenings and like festivals in the States and stuff before um, the, the virus. Um, where, where did you film this, by the way? It was shot in Toronto and in, in, it's hard to find 72 Toronto, but we did partly location. We found the Toronto star building is this ugly gray. It's called brutalist architecture. It's, great yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he's proud Mr. Brutalist but anyway so they took this um architecture and we said well and it faced the lake so that saved a lot of problems for me because we're in the inside the t tower and you see a lake you don't have to worry about hiding 5,000 modern buildings because we found that <laughs> a lot so we used the upstairs of the star building we used the outside of the star building and then we also used the um the foyers, but then we matched some of it with the studio because I had a show going that they weren't using the, the place. So we matched the studio and then we also took a school. So between hmm. the three, we really used the cinder block, the cast concrete and the panel, which they introduced as part of their making it more homey, which is great. And so you're on three different uh, places, two locations, the studio, and it's matched seamlessly. And then of course, some of the other places were like the, when we went to the Toronto locations, we found like the, old record store that hadn't changed we found the pawn mm. shop and things it was a challenge and it took a long time for me to find it all but um the scene when nurse alice walks through looking for the girl that's three different locations and and seven oh, wow. different, seven different sets wow. seven different rooms and Jeez. i did it on purpose i said they're going craig like this is like seven costume changes for her for one scene and it's in seven spots in three locations i said it's going to sell the movie that this is all one place and i love that scene it's one of my favorite mm -hmm. i agree um the uh did we have any like uh method actors on set and i don't mean smoked lots of weed or anything but 
Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's part of it, but, uh, like maybe spent, uh, days inside someplace that was not their home and tried to live that life and all that type of thing. One of the girls is, is method and was very reserved and stuck to her character. Um, you know, she, when all the girls having lunch and stuff, she'd just be quietly reading a book and, um, Mm. and also did, they all did to their credit, a lot of research and they had a lot of questions for me about, about the real ladies and stuff. And look, I mean, people, they had to slam marijuana. Like it was, it was organic. Mushroom, uh, not mushrooms. <laughs> <It was organic. laughs> Wait, hold on. Tell it's us more about that. Yeah. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. lose bad for you. Do the mushrooms. No, it was actually <laughs> it was, um, organic stuff made with marshmallow and stuff, and they had to smoke that stuff, and they just endured it, just like the. I mean, it was obviously worse for the for the real ladies like Doreen and stuff, but they were very committed to that. And look, Greg took six tokes the one who played um barry he swall he was swallowing the roach he said no craig I, that's that's what because i explained mm. to him if you leave the roach in the ashtray and the cops see the roach you're you're it's not going to be pretty so that's what <laughs> they used to do they swallow roaches and there he is he did it and then he didn't feel like lunch <laughs> <laughs> that's lovely hey i want to say that uh, to go back to the cast the cast is lovely the cast is especially the main uh the main young women that are in the uh, the experiment itself, the chemistry is perfect. The chemistry between them is absolutely electric. And I want to ask Doreen, did you, you said that it was like a big party at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Did, did did that accurately kind of convey the feeling that you had in like the, it seems like a sisterhood or like very, very close friendships that everybody yes. had in that, in that facility? Yes, I, I really thought uh, Craig really captured the essence of the friendships in there. Um, we're all going through a, a common journey, and absolutely, we, we're really close in there. Hmm. We only had each other, and it was something unique that we were doing. So, Oh, it's <laughs> unique, for sure. I got to ask, though, are you still pissed off about this? Because I'm pissed off for you <laughs> well, about the whole the whole thing. Yeah, I I I'm not losing sleep over it. However, yeah, for sure, it's yeah. You devote the 98 days and everything you went through, and uh, we never got the results. And for sure, you feel like you were used and abused and ripped off. Yeah. So not a great yeah. feeling. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing thing because this this film, and I'm not bullshitting about this, uh, Craig and Doreen. This film should be shown in psychology classes in uh, mm-hmm. in uh, uh, going forward in university because I remember back in Psych 101, uh, back in undergrad, where I, you would watch the Philip Zombardo Stanford prison experiments mm-hmm. uh, in the first psychology class you ever took. And he was proud <laughs> of that shit, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd watch the Stanley Milgram <laughs> obedience uh, trials and things like that. And it, obviously nobody's ever heard about this whole thing but it, it had the same deleterious effect on you know doreen and her cohorts as any of that other stuff and that's that's why i'm pissed off for you doreen knock them around a little bit and yeah, they'll, oh, you know, they'll be polite obviously because they're all canadians but um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway right. I, I, I really think that this is uh, this is a story that needs to be repeated and told uh, throughout this generation uh, yeah. just as much as the rest of the 
uh, horrifying behaviorist experiments uh, back in the day, BF Skinner I, and all that stuff. Yeah, I was oh, thinking the right. same thing, yeah. Barrett. I was like, how have I not heard about this? Like the whole time I was watching it. So, it was, mm-hmm. yeah. It seems like a famous uh, kind of uh, psychological experiment, like the Milgram experiment and everything. It sounds like, I mean, it's, it plays out exactly like that. So it seems like something you should have heard of and that you're dumb for not knowing, uh, not knowing about it and everything. Are there, uh, is there any hope that we're going to see the results from this or do you think they just burned, uh, burned on the file? I doubt it very, I don't think we ever will. I really don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think they destroyed them, whatever they did, but, uh, I highly doubt it. What's yeah. annoying about this? I'm sorry, I'm so fired up, Doreen. What's <laughs> I'm annoying glad, about I'm this? <laughs> even though they put you through all that terribleness and all the the blatant ethical violations of this whole right. experiment, they did get data. They got behavioral data. They got physiological data. They At did. least we should figure mm-hmm. out how the hell this turned out instead of this all being buried. Because, oh. I know it is. It's crazy. (laughs) And also they never even contacted us after we left that experiment to see, you know, how are you doing? Any effects? There was nothing. We walked out that door. That was it. What did you do after that, Doreen? Um, I I had to find a place to live. I had to get a job. (laughs) Um, yeah, yeah, you know, real life, uh, came back suddenly and it was scary getting out of there. I had a really hard time, really I hard time. Imagine. Did you yeah. keep up at the time? Did you guys keep up with each other or, or did it take until like this article came out and things where, where you guys uh, touched base? No, as a matter of fact, like a few of us on the smoking side, we kind of stuck together for, I don't know, maybe a few weeks or a month after, Mm -hmm. uh, because it was really hard going back out into society. Well, it was like being incarcerated, I guess. So we really clung together. And then we eventually just moved on with our lives and went our separate ways, really. Now, this could be a, a really dumb question. Uh-oh. So, so, so be prepared. Uh, <laughs> Hold on uh, to your butts. Yeah, exactly. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. No. Um, uh, it, of all the women who were in this movie, who do you relate to the most or, or, or who is based on you in this movie? Or, ba- um, in, or can, can you I say? say anything, Craig? I don't know whether to say anything well, or not. No, I think, look, I think the truth is, is we, you know, we talked, first of all, they all, some of the women who are still alive saw the movie and I was so nervous uh, for obvious reasons. And they all sent me, um, we did virtual screenings, really lovely emails. And I got a lovely one from Doreen. When I talked to her, she said, you know, there was a character. And I think that, again, we were careful. So if you're comfortable saying who you related to the most, but it wasn't, sure. again, it wasn't your character. There was, no. there was enough changes that people wouldn't identify you. And say that's my character, you know. Hey, Grandma, I didn't know you did that crazy shit, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I I found myself in a couple of the characters. I also okay. found other people that were in there in a couple of the characters, mm-hmm. and uh, I would say pro- uh, Mary would probably be the one I related to the most. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, not everything uh, in her life was like mine, but I did relate right. to her. And another character where someone went looking for someone and that was me. So that was in another character. Huh. Ah. Okay. 
Oh, yeah. so, you, so you did the Craig, you did the switcheroo on all sorts of little details there. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That's real sneaky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. You know what? Very sneaky. It was, it was such a challenge and fun to put this jigsaw together and also mm-hmm. blend what was going on in society with, again, the laws and the experimenting and you know, racism, all these things that were going on. It was really interesting. And the psychiatrist brings a lot of this out when he meets the girls and their backstories come out when he meets the girls. So it was a really interesting structurally writing the script. And, and, you know, I'm a big fan of some of Altman's films where there's many characters and you meet them separately. And then eventually they all end up in the same story. Yeah. And, um, and so I was really, just the checkerboarding of it and, and the conceiving of it was really, I, it was the most fun I've ever had writing and making a film actually. Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, Barrett, uh, Jonathan, do you have anything else to ask? Uh, well, I, I actually, this, this is going to be really stupid, but I am curious about, um, Doreen, if, if, if you still macrame, is that a thing or. Oh no. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Do you still, have, do you do still have the ability? <laughs> no, I don't ever want to look at one of those belts again. Well, I mean, I'm like, this, I'm I, sorry, I have ahead, uh, belt I'm PTSD. <laughs> I was about to say this, the whole, whole thing, the whole, uh, uh, in, uh, the whole thing in that building would make you want to not do any of the things that you did in that building again. The 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 smoking of the marijuana for ninety eight days thing right. is almost like uh, you know your parents giving you a carton of cigarettes and telling them to smoke <laughs> yeah. the whole thing in a closet. Um, yeah. or, you know. So I mean, I'm sure there's going to be. I mean, there's going to be some people who watch this. Uh, who are like, you know, they, they might even get high every day and they're going to be like, this is a horror film, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, which is also, you know, I mean, this I think is it's close to what you're trying to go for. Yeah. This is kind of a weird comparison, but I think of it like, like, it's almost like, it's like when you get a, it's like, even though you love something, if you get a sign to do it, it sucks. That's right. Like if you love to read, <laughs> like I love to read, but if you assign me a book, I'm like, I'm not reading that you know, go away. Exactly. Yeah. It's like my analogy is if I love chocolate, but if I had to eat it every day at a certain time and a certain quantity, I'd probably never have it again. Right. And let's not forget the increased levels with THC and stuff. Nobody sits down. It's not natural to sit down by yourself and have two big fatties. No. Especially if it's, if it's really intense weed, I don't think that'd be a good, anyone would like that. Cause a lot of you're a major, you know, and, and so that's, it's a, it's the horror film part. Thank you. Because I, um, what I like about it, and again, it's more of an independent thing is that it does shift tone. It does shift pace. Like, you know, at festivals, the first third, there's a lot of laughing in a good way and in the right spots, I might add. Mm-hmm. And, um, I go, Oh geez, they don't know what's coming. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but I, you know, to, it does have, like I say, it has humor because they, they're wonderful story and they're be- beautiful girls who went through this and also a drama and there's romance and there's also um you know there's also like i say some elements are are like a horror film and i've shot horror films so maybe that sort of <laughs> yeah. oh yeah there yeah you speaking of what yeah you shot the dark which uh i saw back when it came out and i was like oh my god he shot the dark which i've always <laughs> touted as uh uh one of those from the 90s that not enough people talk about so oh, yeah there you go Good for you. We got one one viewer. No. There you go. <laughs> Good one, Craig. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we had some uh, technical difficulties uh, there. I think we got 
pretty much the interview that we needed. I, I, I was, I wanted, I wanted to at least say bye to them and, and tell them thanks for, mm-hmm. uh, for, for showing, uh, for giving us their time and everything. I'm very sorry about that. We can't do that right now, but I think we got the meat of what we needed to, to, to get there and everything. So, well, we'd like to thank uh, writer director Craig price and Doreen Brown, for giving us their time. Uh, the movie is The Marijuana Cons- Conspiracy. It comes out on demand and digital on April 20th. Um, but that's going to do it for this interview. It's Chris Atkins and Jonathan Watkins and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com.